Welcome back to The Betrayed. I'm Gina Beck. This is Drew Williams. Thank you for listening, liking, commenting, and subscribing. I appreciate y'all, especially all the reviews on Apple Podcasts. Keep them coming. Yeah, the regular names. I love you guys. I love you all. We really do need to write them down and maybe next episode actually shout you guys out because it's it's literally like 11 of you, I think, that we always see. So thank you again for the constant interaction and always supporting us. For sure. How are you, Drew? I'm doing all right. I'm a little frustrated because this is take two. We, uh... We actually had a really good conversation and everything screwed up in recording. So this is take two on the exact same conversation, but I'm excited to get this done. How are yeah, you? Technical difficulties, it happens. <laughs> yeah. How are you though? I'm doing good. Ready to dive into this episode. All right, well, let's go. So I think the, the main thing we should probably talk about is just to follow up from last week's episode. Maxwell made it to her bail hearing and her arraignment. She is scheduled for a court date of July 12th, 2020. The feds have till November to present all their evidence against her, and she claimed not guilty, I believe. So it's going to be interesting to see what we actually even get. I mean, the feds have a pretty good conviction rate. I'm sure they have a ton of stuff on her. So regardless of what she says, I think some truths might be coming out. But a year is a long time. A lot could happen in a year. A lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot. I mean, it. Uh... And I, I just hope that like the, it's weird to say, but like protected and safe, because I know that like she has answers that we need and want, and without her, like if suicide happens or she gets killed, like who knows? We don't want that to happen. And I mean, it might be weird to say because of who she is and what she's done. Yeah, but it's, it's a I weird, mean, you want to kind of, you're like, I kind of pray for her safety, at least for the next Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. we want those answers. Those answers could change a lot of things. It could help laws change. It could help bring more awareness. I mean, more now than ever, people are more aware, I see, right? Like, way more aware now than ever, and I think it'll only progress, so... It's just going to help. It's just going to help a lot. I I think we've talked about this a few times. Just in the last few months, it seems like more and more people, for the first time that I've ever noticed, are actually willing to discuss the subject because it's it's in everybody's face now. Which is it's Mm -hmm. it's it's a terrible subject, but I mean, if we want real change, everybody needs to realize that it's real. So right, prayers that she makes it till July twelfth, twenty twenty one, and I guess we'll just in between there see what happens. Maybe, maybe some more stuff will come out in November, but I doubt we won't hear very much till next year. Well, you know, with, with George Floyd, for example, when he got murdered, the men who did it got put away like that because there was an uproar in the community, in communities across uh, the world, right? Like everywhere, yeah. every single place, even in uh, foreign countries, like they were upset about this and rightfully so. Because of the uproar though, they were able to prosecute these guys faster than ever because people wanted answers, because people wanted to see action, people wanted to see it be done and that's what they gave them. 
But I think, though, with, right? with the George Floyd's case, it's a lot easier to prosecute when you've got the video footage. I mean, it's eight minutes exactly. and 46 seconds. Yeah. I mean, it's so, exactly. That's it's why so, I think people are expecting it maybe to be faster, you know, answers faster. But if I were you guys, you know, I would I'd be patient and just hope for her safety because uh, the more they investigate, the more answers we're going to get. Yeah, and that's what we want. We want a thorough investigation because everybody that is part of this needs to go down from top to bottom. I mean, everyone that's involved in this is, I mean, it's absolutely disgusting. And if it is as in-depth as we think it is, it could be very well world-changing on so many different levels. Right. And if things don't change, let's make an uproar. Just but like... Stick to the facts, people. Like, I, I still, I know... I still don't believe Epstein killed himself, but we need to try and stay factual. I feel like we live in a time where people are just grasping at everything. And right. Like you said, we need especially, to Especially, not to interrupt or anything, but especially on TikTok. Because on TikTok is where I have saw the things about Chrissy Teigen um, so much more. And even Wayfair brings us into Wayfair. I saw them talking about Wayfair and what's going on with the whole cabinet and other other items that they have that is worth 19,000 or 20,000 or 8,000 or 10,000 just outrageous numbers but those things are actually those prices guys yeah, really those, are. those are industrial cabinets and it's weird to think unless mm -hmm. you unless you like buy them you're part of a business that uses them you would never think that but on top of that the very first girl that they say is missing she's not missing and uh, we'll link yeah. her video in the description she's pissed she's never been missing she's not part yeah. of anything so it makes you she wonder made the like, youtube video right yeah as a youtube i believe it yeah. might have been an instagram live that went to youtube or something like that i, don't, I could mm -hmm. be wrong but regardless she's pissed she's not kidnapped she didn't there's come another out of girl there's another there's one two. too mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah we'll have to yep, link and both she's up. pretty up she's pretty upset also because her, her name is linked to this and she is safe. She's safe at home and she's been safe at home. Well, like you were saying, or, or we were talking about this a little bit earlier, like child sex rings and human trafficking is real. They very, very well might put them in cabinets. But you're yeah, not dressers. Freezers. Very, I hate to laugh at it because I'm I just it's a way to respond. Make a to whole their... list of what they could be putting children in. And it's really sad. It's really sad what they could be doing. And but wayfair is not doing it you guys you guys got to do a little more research fact check stuff see that these things are really these prices and the is it a coincidence that these things are named i mean i don't think it's cool that these things are named human names you can name something freaking anything yeah you, you can just name make it, it b yeah b you can name something. it a dresser a cabinet you can name it what it is why does it have to be a person's name i don't get that okay that is weird but at the same time Oh, I mean, the missing person list is huge. So, I mean, almost any name you can think of is probably on there. So, whatever they name, if they name exactly. it a name, you're gonna, if you're going to look for it. But, I mean, it takes, it takes me back to, like, the story I wanted to bring up about being factual and how bad things can go. And this happened, uh, I believe, June 23rd is when it actually happened. But this is, this is how I found out about it, and I actually reacted not in the right way. I, didn't, I wasn't factual. I didn't look at anything. But I'll read what the initial post was. There's a huge situation going on on the north side right now, and the news is hours behind it. Two black teenage girls went missing on Sunday. No Amber Alert was issued. The police decided they're not endangered 
and didn't bother looking for them. Last night, or early this morning, one of the girls' mom tracked the daughter's phone to a house near 40th and Lloyd. They called the police, they waited hours, but the police never responded to a call. A group of neighbors showed up to, at the house to knock on the door and look for the girls, and when they did, shots from were fired at them from inside. Then the police showed up, arrested the people who were shooting from within the house, but claimed to not see any evidence of the girls there and left the scene. Neighbors entered, entered the house of, and a van parked outside to look for the girls and found bloody shorts, but no evidence of the teenage girls, apparently. The house is connected with a known pre sex predator and is suspected that the girls had been lured or grabbed for sex trafficking. Some hours later, unidentified persons set both the van and house on fire. A search party of neighbors, not the police, found the two missing girls, two other missing children, around 4 p.m. They were following neighbors' tips from house to house that appeared to be a straight-up sex trafficking ring. They were doing this while dozens of police officers were on scene doing nothing but harassing and intimidating residents. Police on scene started using tear gas, rubber bullets on the neighbors who were doing their jobs for them. And I reacted. This is you. We'll, we'll link the stories to it. People really did show up. They set this van fire, this van on fire, and this house on fire. But this is a perfect example of not looking at evidence. So the Milwaukee Police Department responded to it, and his name is Alfonso Morales. We investigate the information given to us, and we can't allow an unruly crowd to deter, deter what the investigation is. What you had today is vigilantism. You had people take the law into their hands and run off information that had not been proven. We investigate that, and that the police is that is what the police are here for. We have determined what crimes have been committed, and when you don't get the cooperation from the families and the witness to allow us to move forward, how can we give an investigation the proper attention it deserves? So it was confirmed by the police on the following Wednesday, both missing teenage girls were not missing. They were found with their families. They had no relation with anybody in that house, had never been there. On top of that, the, the tenant in the upstairs was a pregnant woman with a two-year-old. She was luckily at the hospital giving birth to another child. And there is a GoFundMe. We'll link that in the, in the bottom. But... This was all, nothing was based on facts. And the whole crowd got together and somebody could have lit the whole neighborhood on fire, honestly. But they, someone lost their house. Uh, a few people, I think, lost, uh, a few people got shot. And now they're seeking four people for arson. So when you first come across something like that and say there's only a title and then you have to click on the article to read the rest. And the title is like, ooh, pedophile's house was burned down. You know, just like you said, you had a reaction you're going to be like, hell yeah, like, F that pedophile. Blah, 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 blah. Screw that guy. What do you do? And then you go in to read it, and it says all that. And it's like people's lives were in danger. Like, people's homes were in danger. The whole neighborhood was in danger. Kids could have died. A pregnant woman could have died. Yeah, screw the pedophile, but... But there wasn't even anyone. There's, there was no even. There wasn't even a registered sex offender to that house. So there was. There was exactly. a mob. Like, screw pedophiles, but like, why you have to do more research? <laughs> you have to fact check. You could have killed a lot of people, and that is really sad. Yeah, it's scary, and that's like I. I've always thought that when we were doing what we did, we we did a pretty good job of making sure the people we exposed were who they were because it's such a heavy, oh, yeah. heavy-handed yeah. label to put on somebody, especially if they're completely innocent of it because that could have long-lasting effects and fatal effects even. Well, this kind of leads into what I wanted to talk about. Uh, you could call this, you know, vigilantism. 
Yeah. A father has been charged with aggravated assault after he attacked a suspected pedophile he found in his 14-year-old daughter's bedroom. His name is Ishmael Casillas. 41 is said to have knocked several of Humphrey's teeth out after discovering the 20-year-old in his home in uh, Georgia on July 4th. Police say that Casillas would have been protected by the law if he stopped the alleged beating there, but they decided to charge the dad after he ran outside after Humphreys jumped out a window, continued to beat him, and fired shots from his gun at the suspected child molester as he ran away. Police told the news that while they understood Casillas' rage, firing the gun crossed a line, even with the state of Georgia's relatively strong stand-your-ground and self-defense laws. They explained that Humphreys, also known as Man, Man was known, or excuse me, Man was no longer a threat once he'd start running away from Casillas' home, meaning the outraged father should not have fired at him. So he, this is, you know, screw that guy who was in the 14-year-old, 14-year-old's bedroom. Same time, we all would have had a similar reaction, you know, if not worse, if not, maybe not as bad. But we would have had a reaction like that, I feel like. I think most any, of us, any parent, most of us any, parent any parent or or uncle or anyone that loves a child, if they discovered that, they would have that visceral reaction to want to kill that person. Right. He did right. screw up when you discharge a firearm in a residential area, you bring in a whole lot of set of different laws because I mean you could have endangered the neighbors. I don't know what round he was using, how close he was. I mean, there's a lot of things right. that could have gone wrong. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I feel like a decent judge will probably drop all this. Especially because he yeah. said it's like Georgia or something like that because it's somewhere with mm-hmm. standard ground line. He's yeah. going to have to go through some court battles, but he'll probably he'll probably get a slap on the wrist, hopefully. Police are now probing hum- Humphreys and have charged him with child molestation over his relationship with the underage girl. And it's unclear whether either of the men have been are going to be freed on bail. Is what it says. So they are both in jail right now. Humphreys is charged with child molestation. And I guess the dad is just going to wait it out and go to court. But hopefully, right? Like you said, he has a judge that is just like nobody was hurt. <laughs> Any think, of us would have the same reaction. Go home. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it might cost him court fees and stuff like that. But hopefully the guy gets to go home. I mean, how yeah. terrible for I mean. You said they had a relationship, the 20-year-old and the 14-year-old, so I'm sure there's a lot of family drama between that, too, because I'm sure this is a 14-year-old that, or was this not? Right, and 14-year-old, he did get charged with child molestation because the 14-year-old can't consent. Oh, I agree. So even if they did, yeah, even if they did have a relationship, that's something that, um, you know, we want... I don't want to stay that way. Hopefully laws don't change to where younger kids are able to marry older men that's something that we want to stay away from yeah the uh it's crazy there's a real movement that whole maps movement because you have the kids that are pro map too that want to date the older ones it's a it's a scary aspect society is trying to go towards it's not a good route kind of goes into another thing that i wanted to mention uh the first female to publicly say she was sexually abused by a teen doctor at the University of Michigan, says she hopes to inspire other women and men to come forward. Her name is Kathy Kalahar, who played tennis for the Wolverines in the 1970s. She joins hundreds.
Michigan graduates who alleged that Dr. Robert Anderson molested them. Anderson died in 2008. Kalahar told the Associated Press on Monday that Anderson assaulted her during an exam when she was a freshman in 1973. She was a member of the school's first women's tennis team. She said, I really shut down and kind of put myself into a different space. I wanted to crawl into the wall. I wanted to crawl into the floor. I just wanted to get away from him. Kalahar said she told a psychological counselor at the school about what happened, but that the woman whose name Kalahar does not recall brushed it off as a sexual fantasy the student was having about Anderson. My motivation is to help other victims to come to terms to possibly come forward, she said at a news conference Tuesday in Detroit. I've chosen to come forward because I think it's important that the university understands all the networks that were operating that protected this individual. School spokesman Rick Fitzgerald said the University of Michigan condemns all sexual misconduct past or present and that it has taken extensive measures to combat sexual misconduct. The university has sent emails or letters to more than 300,000 former students asking them to share information that may be helpful in an investigation of Anderson being conducted by the law firm that's in town. Because of ongoing independent investigation, we are not able to offer a specific response to the allegation shared by any individual. Kalahar is represented by Denver-based Wahlberg Woodruff, and it's a really good law firm, and they have more than 115 clients who allege sexual abuse by Anderson. So, yeah. That's, that's pretty deep. Very. So, I hope that uh, more people hear her story and that if they were ever hurt, I hope those emails help. That's a lot of emails. That's amazing that they're able to mass email people that way, like that. Yeah, um, I, well, I mean, that's usually what happens, right? When one victim finally comes forward and has that courage, it usually gives gives strength to the other ones. So maybe more and more and more will come forward. I mean, that, right. they can maybe just start a process of some type of healing. Yeah, and it's unfortunately not uncommon for a teacher of some sort to be in the position that he's in dead or alive yeah they seek out those usually i mean they like i've always said that i've always said that predators who i'm not i don't like to say smart predators but i mean that's what they are ones that try to work to not get caught you know like they will try to be an owner of a daycare or an owner of a church or a teacher. I'm not saying all, because there's oh, I, I have mean, a lot look, of amazing... Look at, look at a, the serial killer BTK. He was a cop. Yeah, I'm not saying all, but I have a lot of amazing male teachers I grew up with that were never weird or anything. Uh, to this day, on the Facebook page, hey, how's it going? Nothing was ever weird growing up in my school that I saw, but I know that it is common in a lot of cities and countries and states etc so be aware and it's just you get the vibe from certain people and if you get that vibe just pay closer attention and parents also know that when school starts back up if you want to sit in your kids class i don't know if there'll be limitations due to corona but i feel like there shouldn't because you're their parent uh you could sit in their class also if you ever have a suspicion of a male teacher and just look watch closely like hand gestures you know things like that yep it's pretty Pretty easy to tell when a guy's being flirty with a student. And it's weird because they don't get watched. You know, when they're in that classroom, there might be cameras in the hallways, but there's not cameras in the classroom, in the class, you know? Not not yet. 
Not yet. There should be. There should be. Let's do that. Hashtag cameras in the classroom when school starts back up because, yeah, why not? That's not going to go over well either. It's invasion of privacy, I think. I mean, I remember growing up when the principal would randomly come in our class and just overlook. He maybe even had a notepad and took notes on how the teacher was. Did they on how the teacher, excuse me, let me finish my sentence, on how the teacher was teaching and handling things, but did it, did he do it enough? Probably not. I only saw him like once in a blue moon, no, and the other but thing too is they did that, it. That whole thing is like, so what, the teacher acts good for that few minutes or hours? <laughs> exactly. That's why. That's why they should have a camera. <laughs> exactly. Just call it like fundamental learning to make sure the teachers are doing good. I mean, you went to college for so long and you're in a classroom for so long, I feel like they need to be held accountable. Some teachers may be eight years in. Don't you think they get lazy? I mean, Uh, I would uh, if I was eight years in my job. We could have a whole podcast about fucking tenure, fucking protection, (laughs) crapping, crappy teacher. That's like a whole nother deep subject. We literally could. That's uh... (laughs) a... It just irks me. It really irks me when people have that are, you know, put to a higher standard and supposed to be looked up to, excuse my language, but fuck up like that. Yeah, it's, it's, just, like, it's just so disgusting. It's it's unacceptable. Those people should get the guillotine. Right. Well, let's end it on that note. <laughs> Thank you for listening, liking, commenting, and subscribing. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. I really do. Thank you for all the comments, all the messages, everything. I just, it really means a lot more than you guys know. You keep us going. So yeah, love y'all. Banana cats. Banana cats, peace, much love.